Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to the Diary of an Addict. Today we have Colton Muskrat joining us to share his story. Colton is from Oklahoma, so that's going to be a little bit different because it's not somebody from the res, but I think we'll see that it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, where you come from, what race you are, whether you're a male or a female, addiction doesn't discriminate and it doesn't care. So a lot of our stories have a lot in common. I think that sometimes there's as many similarities as there are differences. Here we go. Today we have a good friend of mine on the show. His name's Colton Muskrat, and he's from Oklahoma. He also goes by highway these days. Um, I met him a long time ago because his father and my grandpa and grandma were really close uh, in a church world and gospel singing. And now I think it extends past that, that whenever his family comes to North Carolina, they just come straight to my grandma and grandpa's house. So I've known him for like 15 years. Um, we kind of lost touch when we both went our own separate ways and I've noticed him overcome things and I've seen his story from afar via social media, which is one of the good things about it, by the way. Um, thank you for coming on here, brother. Yes, sir. Well, my, um, you know, like you said, my story begins, man. I grew up in church, you know, a good kid. And it wasn't up until 2008 when I was, you know, introduced to methamphetamine. And I was actively on it for 10 years. And uh, during that time, man, I lost, I lost everything. Got down to the point to where, you know, I was, when I hit rock bottom, when I knew I hit rock bottom, man, I, I was living out of my car. Up until they repossessed that, and you know, I was left with nothing. But do you? Uh, oh, go ahead. My bad. No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna add that. You know, and, um, all it takes is just that one time, man. And these days, that's 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 all I'm doing is just trying to push positivity on the youth, on today's youth, because of the rise of fentanyl, you know, it's much worse than when we were doing it. Yes, sir. That one time, I mean, one time could lead for addiction like 10 years ago, but now one time could lead to the grave, you know? Yep. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, about when you first got into, into meth, um, when I did it, I was drunk. Uh, I don't know that even if I was sober, I would have said no, you know, but I do know that being drunk played a played a big role into me first trying me because I had to go to work at 8 a.m. and I was drunk. When I say drunk, I mean like <laughs> blacked out. Like, yeah, well, mode. <laughs> yeah, I was like 5 a.m. It was like 5 a.m., you know, and I'm like, I got to go to work if I, and I had like been missing work due to my drinking and stuff already. So I knew that if I missed or I was late, they were going to fire me. And my friend was with me 
And uh, he was like, just take a bump, bro. I'd never offer you this, but, you know, you, you look like you need it, you know. And, man, I remember that first line, it burnt so bad, but I, I went to work. And so my first experience with it wasn't, it wasn't all bad because I was so drunk that it didn't like really make me tweak out or get high. It kind of just sobered me up a little bit, you know? Right. Um, do you remember the first time you tried it? Like what, what was going on in your life or yeah. what was happening? Yeah, man, I was at, uh, I was at my cousin's house, you know, the big cousin, he's more like an uncle to me. And we went to his house to pick up some clothes and I was sober, you know, all up until then, I barely even smoked weed. Like I was just now getting introduced to weed and I was uh, 18 years old. And we went to the house and it was just us three. And he had a girl that had stayed a night with him and she had left some of her, her mess there in the, in the, on the dresser. So we stopped there and he's like, Oh yeah, old girl left this. And I thought it might've been some weed. And so I went in that room with him. And so they cut that, that little rock and, it was just going to be them two smoking it. And he's like, hey, see, you ever tried this? I was like, nah. And he's like, you want to try some of it? I was like, yeah, man, I'll try some of it. So he was coaching me on how to how to inhale it and smoke it. Like you said, like my first experience wasn't wasn't horrible either because, man, like I tell my wife to this day, like that drug, it's like one of the best feelings in the world. That's why it's so dangerous because no other drug is going to make you feel like that. It has its own high. And since that day, man, from that day forward, I was looking for it. And I never stopped. Yeah, that's a that's a vicious cycle that it gets in. Uh, I was actually, speaking of, I was actually telling my, my girl um, a little bit about it, about how <clears throat> it wasn't so much for me the first time, but the second time I did it, I wasn't. I wasn't on any other, I wasn't drunk or anything. I was just trying meth the second time. And like you say, that feeling that I got, man, I chased that feeling around for so long, never been able to get it. Yep. And it's like a cruel irony that that first hit, man, I felt like I was floating, bro. Like everything went away. Everything, everything bad, everything good, everything that was worrying me. Um, everything. And I never got that. I mean, I got that feeling, but I never got it quite like that ever again. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's a, it's like a, it's a trick, you know? Um, do you uh, remember anything? I know you said you was uh, living out of your car. Was there, uh, was that your very rock bottom or the other moments? I only asked that because my rock bottom was, it wasn't like one one single solitary moment, you know, it was, it was a span of time of moments and days just put together. Mm-hmm. Was it like that for you or? Yeah. Yeah. During that time, man, I'd lost, you know, at the, you know, I, me and my wife were still together, but you know, due to my decisions and lifestyle, you know, I couldn't stay where they were at and not allowed to. So that's where, you know, I went and started living out of the car that I had and, but, you know, losing my daughter was just about to be two years old. So, you know, I lost I lost a lot of moments, her first moments. I missed her first birthday. 
I wasn't there. I mean, I could have been there. I remember that day, but I was just, you know, so high and ready for the next high that I just drove to Stillwell and, you know, left that town and then said, oh, the birthday is going to be all right. They'll be all right without me. But now, you know, I regret that because, you know, I'm not going to get that back. And the same way with my my two oldest boys, during, after, you know, my when I was active, actively doing it and put them in my third or fourth year, man, I missed so much out of my, my son's lives and I got to, you know, rebuild that bond with them because they were old enough to know what, what daddy was out doing and, you know, putting before their, before their lives and their needs, you know, I was putting, uh, putting meth as my priority. Yeah. Um, how has that been rebuilding? Oh, it's been awesome, man. Like it, it's still like, I've got, now I've been sober for going on seven years now. And even within these seven years, man, there's still a lot to, to build back on that bond, some trust. And, but it's been awesome, man. I've, I've being involved, being an active father, you know, it's, it's a feeling that it, it, it can be matched. Not even by the man. No, right. That's what's up, bro. I'm I'm proud of you for that, man. And uh, that's that's huge. Seven years, man. I, I hope to one day get there and surpass that. But the reason I was asking you about rebuilding, I got to rebuild myself. You know, um, I think that a lot of people get stuck right there whenever they stop drinking or they stop getting high because yeah. although that's hard, that's kind of like the easy part. Because once you do that, then you have to start working on yourself, why you were drinking, why you were getting high. You got to start trying to rebuild bridges that you burnt down. And sometimes those people on the other side don't want you to come back across, you know? Right, right. At least not at first. So that's that's why I was asking. I know there's a lot of people out there who, uh, I read a quote the other day that says, uh, you can't heal from what you haven't repaired. And uh, it'll just be a continuous cycle. And I see that. I've seen that in myself a lot because I, I, I've, I've stopped drinking and stopped getting high before. And then I realized that the work that I had to do to get back to my daughters, to rebuild relationships with my family, with my friends, um, man, that was like a mountain in front of me all over again after I had just climbed on. I felt like, you know. Yeah. Um, about ahead, in 2000, um, about 2011, 2012, you know, I did try to, I did try to quit, but you know, that only lasted about six, seven months, man. Cause I would, I would do good for like a month or two. And then here I come one, you know, wanting a little bump or wanting to just smoke a bowl and thinking, you know, I'm going to get my little fix and I'll be all right. And then. I should be good. But man, that turned into a couple of bows here and there to buying bags again and doing it all over. Yeah, that one bump will turn into a dang 30 day binge real quick, you know? You know? I never, uh, I never really kept count to people about, man, I've been up for so many days. And uh, I mean, my goal wasn't to be up for so many days, my goal was just to be high. 
you know, right. and that made me stay up for days on end. But uh, I had some crazy experiences with that uh, meth, especially because um, as I've gotten to recovery and the recovery field, I've learned a lot more about drugs, about being pre-genetically disposed to addiction, about how, how they work. Um, and I read that a lot of the psychosis and hallucinations and, you know, shadow people and hearing things is not actually from the mess. It's from staying up too long. They say that when your body goes, your body and your brain go 72 hours without sleep, that you're legally insane. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I, man, I, <laughs> I can attest to that. I don't know about you, but I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, there's been plenty of times I went, I surpassed 72 hours by a long shot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so them days, you know, like I'm, I'm just happy to not be like, you know, like bless their hearts or some people who, who, who go out there and they, they like don't come back, you know, um, like they still see stuff like that. And I'm just, I mean, Thank the good Lord above, I'm able to still think and articulate stuff a little bit. Um, what what uh, what was the turning moment for you? What was the point that you were just like, you know what, I'm done with this shit? Man, it was uh, like I said, you know, when I when I had mentioned I was away from my wife and my daughter, you know, it came to a point to where she had message and called me and let me know that you know she's not going to wait anymore that I wasn't going to straighten up and if I wasn't going to straighten up for myself or my daughter then I wasn't going to straighten up for anyone and I remember when I got that call like I, I was like I said I was homeless so I knew where my dad and my brother stayed in town so I was just walking around in the street when I got that call so Right, right when I got to that man, it just it, it broke my heart because I thought I thought maybe she was gonna put up with me until I was done getting high, and then I was gonna be able to go back home like I did before. But that didn't happen. So right there, man, when I got that message, it's when I knew. So I I, I just sprinted to my dad's and let him know uh, that I was tired of doing what I was doing, and he's heard that from me like hundreds of times, you know, me coming, saying, you know, I'm tired of living like this, Dad. But this time it was different, man, because I, like I said, I, was, I don't know if you're familiar with Stillwell, like where the, the skating rink is. Yeah, sir. Yeah. And he lived on the other side of Rolling Hills. But anyway, I had sprinted. I had sprinted all the way over there. Just That's a run, bro. <laughs> yeah, and I knew people was looking at me because I had ran through some yards. I was like, I don't care. I'm getting to my dad's and, you know, we're going to pray and I'm done with this life. I'm done. And since then, man, I've, I've been, uh, I've been off of it. I didn't go to, I didn't go to rehab and I didn't, I didn't take any medications for it. I just cold turkey, just quit. Man, that's awesome, bro. That's, uh, I know your man, your dad. He's a he's a God fearing man. He he um he reminds me a lot of my grandpa, you know. And I know that it took me a long time 
uh, probably till last year, or the year before that. I mean, I, I like to say I grew up in church. I met you through a church function, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I never really believed in the power of prayer until a couple years ago, you know. And I found out this last year when my grandfather passed away, or this year, earlier this year, that, you know, they were like, yeah, your grandpa, he was always singing at these funerals. He'd show up at a church by himself. Um, and he was always praying for his grandsons, you know, he was always praying for his grandkids. He'd ask him if he needed anything, and he'd just tell you to pray for his grandkids, you know, and that, man, I know that some of the situations that I've been, put myself in, um, Prisons, jails, rehabs, uh, worse than that. Like, there were times whenever I didn't know how I was going to get out, you know, and I know now that it was through the prayers of my grandpa. And I was just wondering how big of an effect do you think that the prayers of your, your father had for your recovery? Oh, definitely, man. He was he was always praying. And, you know, me and him, we, you know that me and him, we traveled a lot and sang a lot together. So, when I did fall into addiction, he, could, he I couldn't hide it from him. He knew what I was doing in an up two, and I know that broke him, and that broke me knowing that it hurt him like that. And he was always telling me, you know, I'm, I'm praying for you, boy. You know, back in church and start living right, and man, it paid off. How has your relationship uh, with your father these days? Oh, it's fantastic, like never before, man. And, you know, we we wasn't the type to show affection toward each other, even growing up. But you know, these days we we hug and kiss each other and tell each other we love each other, and that that's that's something new to me. <laughs> yeah, I I I feel you on that one, man. I've I've actually been doing a lot of that myself. Um, like like right now, I'm proud of you, bro. I, I love you. You're 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 like a brother to me. I'm glad that we met. Um, I feel like there's a lot a lot of times that people don't say anything for fear of how they think they might look to either the other person or to someone that might hear or even to themselves because like you say they've never really, you know, it's not really expressed emotions verbally like that. Right. So I, I try to take my chance to to do that as much as possible because like you were saying with the fentanyl on the streets and stuff like Man, you don't know. It might be your last time talking to somebody, you know. Yeah, bro. But that's awesome to hear, bro. I'm, I'm fucking happy for you, man. It makes my heart happy to see people pull themselves out of that darkness, and it, it's even more so whenever I know the person personally. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I've, I've seen you. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I um, love you back, bro. And you know, I'm proud of you too. And you know. Like you said, we lost touch there for a little while, but you know how social media is, and there'd be times I was scrolling Facebook, you know, and I would see your mugshot, and I'd be thinking, damn, like, what's Jack been up to? Like, you yeah. know, I've seen a few stories like that, but now, you know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing good stories, man. I'm seeing you uplift, and I'm, you know, I'm proud of you, man. Like, I've seen your journey too. Yeah, I'm. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Um, do you? If um, in the height of your active addiction, if you could give yourself a piece of advice, uh, what would you say, or would you listen? Man, I know I wouldn't have listened, but you know, if I had a chance to, 
go back and tell myself something. I would I would definitely tell myself that it's what what you think is happiness in that drug is not, and you know stop chasing it. That's what I, that's what I was chasing. It was making me happy. That's yeah. the only. Thing. That's that's I feel you, man. Uh, I've, I've been there too. Sometimes it wasn't even making me happy. It was just making me not be sad, you know, or just not numb. be. Yeah, that's it, bro. Yeah. Numb. You don't feel nothing. Like all all the weight of the world would come off me. The the pain of not seeing my kids. The the pain of hurting my mom. Of hurting my grandma. Um, the disappointment in myself for allowing things to get like that, like all that shit went away. And like, not only did it go away, it went away like, like that. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Nose would still be running and I'm already gone, you know? <laughs> and, uh, man, I, I read a lot when I was locked up and, uh, I, I've, I've read them before, but I read all the Harry Potter books and, uh, that was a rock, quite an escape, you know, when you're in a, a four-walled cell. But in one of the books, um, Harry Potter's talking to Dumbledore. And he's talking about how he don't like to think about his parents because they're dead and it makes him sad. And Dumbledore told Harry one of the realest quotes I've ever heard anywhere, you know. And he said that numbing the pain only makes it worse when you finally feel it. Damn, bro! When I read that, I was like, "Man, I have to sit the book down for a second, You know, um, that's tough. I've, I've never heard that line. <laughs> that's tough. For real, like, and for me, uh, I was selling drugs. I was doing drugs, so I always had it. You know what I mean? I never had the. I mean, I'm not gonna say it was all like roses, rainbows, and unicorns, but. I never had to like struggle to get high or whatever. So uh-huh. whenever I'd go to jail, bro, that's whenever I'd feel everything because I, I mean, everything I was avoiding, like it came rushing back on me like tenfold, you know? And when I read that quote, it was just like a light bulb in my head. And, uh, so I, I understand completely what you're saying there about the numb part. Yep. Um, if, uh, if there was somebody that's struggling like we were, listening right now what would you tell them is there any advice you have for them uh tell them you know just try to better yourself each day and don't put too much pressure on yourself because we're human at the end of the day we're gonna fall we're gonna fall off the wagon you know it happens we fall off a few times you know to be able to stay on but i just want to say that you know get back up each and every time do not stay down if you stay down, that's where you're going to stay in addiction. You're going to stay in doubt. You're going to stay in sadness, hopelessness. But if you get back up, you're going to be stronger each time. So just focus on bettering yourself each day. Just be better than yesterday. That's all. Yes, sir. That's that's good right there. That's gold, bro. Um, I always, I, I have that too when I talk to people, you know, uh, you're going to fall down in life. Like, that's inevitable. You know, that's not an option for you. The only option you have is whether you want to get up or stay down, you know. Yep. 
you got to control how you react to things. Um, lastly, I want to ask you, or in this regard, anyways, um, what about if you if you had advice for say if there's somebody with a family member say there's a dad listening his son or daughter struggling or there's a there's a brother listening or an uncle or a, you know a son um, of someone that's struggling do you have any advice for them? Uh, first advice I give man is to keep loving them even if you have to love them from a distance because me right now I haven't. I have a family member, my brother, who is in active addiction, and right now he's in he's in prison because of, or maybe headed back to prison because of his decisions. But you know, keep reaching out, keep showing love, even if they irritate you or make you mad. You know, be be irritated or be mad in your own space. You know, don't don't show that to them. Just love them. Tell tell them that they always have a home to come back to. You know, just give positivity to them. Cause so many times, man, I've seen people talk down, and that's so easy to do on somebody that's not doing good. Yeah, for real. That that's gold too, right there, bro. The the part about not letting them see you frustrated and stuff. Um, yeah, it helps, man. It really helps them. I also have a I have a sister who struggles, and uh, I pray for every day. I love you, Angel, if you're listening. And uh, when I try to talk to her, um, I know for me, I didn't want to listen to nobody because I already knew. I mean, not that I knew everything, but what they were telling me, I knew already. You know, I knew I was fucking up. I knew I could do better. And I didn't want to hear that shit because it uh, actually made me feel worse because I did know, you know. Um mm-hmm. And then to have people believing in me behind that, and then I'm like, damn, not only am I letting myself down, I'm letting them down also. So right. whenever whenever somebody would try to talk to me, man, I'd, I'd start hurling insults or I'd start uh, saying stuff that I knew would get them mad just so that we could start arguing or they could get mad or I could get them frustrated. And then they would take the focus off what they were originally trying to talk about. Uh-huh. Yep. So, so that's really good advice that you just gave because, I mean, for me, my goal was to get you frustrated. My goal was to get you mad. My goal was to get you irritated. My goal was to get you any way besides the helping, the helping uh, space that you were trying to come with. You know, like you didn't come to argue with me. You didn't come to like put me down, but I would make it that way so that you would stop talking to me about that stuff. Uh, right. So man, that's golden advice. Yep. Uh, Too many times, man, I try to be frustrated with my dad, and you know, like you said, try to try to bring a bring up an argument or cause something, and he just showed love. I mean, there what every time he just kept showing love, wouldn't let it get to him. So, you know, you handle you handle your loved ones the same way that are struggling because when they're showing up to your house or coming to you, yeah, they might be asking for money. Yeah. They might be asking you for this or ride for here and there, but in reality, man, they're showing up to where they feel loved to where they feel they can get some help. And you just got to be a loving and caring person, no matter what. Yes, sir. That's, that's, that's the goals, man. Uh, it's, 
it's nice to be in a place where where you where you're healed, or maybe not necessarily healed, but you're healing. Um, man, the peace that comes with that, bro. That's that's something that none of them drugs could ever give me. No amount of money from them drugs could ever give me. Um, it's just it's it's much better on this side. Yes, um, we talked about your uh, about your journey through the dark. Now, now I kind of want to talk about uh, what you're doing these days. Um, I know you said you've been clean seven years. I've seen that you're uh, you're a rapper. Uh, I don't know if the correct term would be a TikToker, but uh, <laughs> you're like a rapper slash comedian slash you know like tell us a little bit about that, bro. Let's hear the good stuff now. Yeah, these days, man, all I'm doing is. Being a father, going to work, and like you say, I'm doing music on the side. I, I sing and rap, so it's it's both. You can call me a rapper or a singer. It doesn't oh, my bad, bro. <laughs> You're good. But, hey, I've been doing a lot more rapping here lately, so there's that. So in the TikTok journey, man, I gotta give credit to my to my daughter Lyric. She's the one that brings in the the views and the followers, but. You know, we're right now we're sitting at a little over 20k followers, and you know that's pretty much what I do right now, and that that that's bright enough for me, as you say. You know, let's focus what the lighter part of life, man. The lighter part of life right now is just being a dad, being able to go to work, come home, you know, make TikToks with my kids, and you know, the, one of the biggest things I enjoy on this side is just sitting on the porch. Yes, sir, man. It's it's the little things, bro. Like uh, I I agree with that wholeheartedly, man. I I live down here in Florida, and sometimes, like like right now, I'm I'm about to go outside after we get off the phone and just get a little movement in. But people are like, "You're crazy, man!" Like it's so hot outside, and I'm like, "Man, if you don't understand, man, like two years ago, I was in a cell." so cold that man i had to sit with my cellmate we had both like we had his blanket around our legs we had my blanket over our shoulders and like bro we were huddled up like we was out in the in the antarctica or something because we could see our breath in our cell and it's rough so <clears throat> for me man i take it i i take a sunburn 20 times <laughs> i take, take whatever you know what i mean <laughs> Man, I just want to say I'm proud of you, bro. Uh, it's it. Like I said before, man, when when my people, when I see my people succeed, pull themselves out of that, bro, that it makes me almost as happy as if I when I done it myself, you know. Yep, I feel you, bro. Thank you for coming on here. Thank you for telling your story. I know that it's, bro, it's hard. Uh, for me, it was hard. Uh, there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of regret. There was, uh, you know, there was a lot of that. And I never knew that me telling my story could like, man, it felt like when I told my story, man, I felt like I could go outside and windmill it, man, all this weight off my shoulders. You know? <laughs> That's how I'm feeling right now, bro. This is the first time I actually got to really tell my story, you know? Well, I appreciate you for coming on here and telling it, man. Uh, I know that the power of story, man, just hearing people's stories of what they've been through, like it, it gives hope to people. Because um, I know that when I was out there, 
and I feel like this is like that for a lot of addicts and, and addicts are selfish, but not only are they selfish, not only are we selfish, but when we're out there, we kind of, we tend to think like, I feel like we think a little bit more of ourselves than anything. Like we're, we're worried about what people think, but we're not at the same time. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of it's a weird dynamic. Like, like you, you, you care about what people think, but you don't give a fuck at the same time. And it's just, uh, it's nice to get on this side. Yeah, that's what's dangerous about that drug too. Because at the same time, man, you cared about what you did, but at the same time, you didn't give a fuck about what you did too. So, yeah, it's just it's just a weird irony, you know what I mean? A weird cycle. It's nice to be able to break that. Um, but I thank you for coming on here, brother. I I I wish you the best of luck in all your endeavors, and uh, man, just keep keep being the light, bro. Um. Even though you may not be like pushing all the recovery stuff, just just the post of just I seen your post whenever I didn't want to comment on it either because I I didn't feel like I was trolling, you know, when you was like then and now. But in your then picture, bro, you don't have no shoelaces in your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll use it for a belt. <laughs> That's right. <So> like, <laughs> I didn't want to point that out, bro. But like, man, I've been there, bro. Like. And that's it right there. You cared enough to not want your pants to sag, but you didn't <laughs> care that you had to take your shoelace out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's why I, I I didn't notice that until I, I started uploading that picture. And then I was like, man, I ain't got no shoestring in my <laughs> In one shoe. Yeah, I was like, man, I know I was hot, man. Yeah, so but, you ain't gonna catch me like that. These days. <laughs> <laughs> catch me lacking, you know. I could kick yeah, the yeah, shoes yeah. off and still run, but if my pants are sagging, I can't. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go back to that picture. You go back to that post in those comments, man. I pointed that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the laughter, bro, like. Laughter is a good medicine, man. It's it's good to be able to laugh at these moments, you know, um, because that means that you realize that it, it happened for a reason, you know. And uh, bro, your your TikToks be having me dying, bro. So man, just keep keep putting out that good medicine that way, bro. People yes, people need to laugh. It's impossible to laugh without smiling. You're correct, and man. And the world needs more of that, bro. But I appreciate it, man. Thank Thanks you. for having me, man.